Seeking the Still is produced by Jill Devine Media. Welcome to the Seeking the Still podcast with me, your host, Laura Fleetwood. In this safe space, we come together to seek the still amid chaotic lives, to get honest about what overwhelms us, to become connected to one another and to the divine, to step into who we were created to be. Always real, never perfect, and forever on your side. Welcome to today's podcast episode. It is season two of Seeking the Still. And in this season, I am talking to people in my life about the season I went through um, of intense anxiety and getting an anxiety diagnosis. To hear their perspective and their side of the story, I think it's important to recognize that when you get a mental health diagnosis, that it's not just the individual who's impacted, but it's all of the people who love them as well. So Right now, I'm going to be introducing you to my father, Fred Harm, and we're going to get his perspective about seeing his daughter go through that time and just see what advice he would have um, for those of you who are watching someone you love go through something similar, what he's learned, and um, we'll just see where the conversation takes us. So hi, Dad. How are you? I'm doing fine, Laura. Nice talking to you. Yeah, thanks for coming on here. This is what I call the total truth zone. So I want you to be honest and, um, you know, don't hold anything back. The whole idea is to share what really happened um, in all of the light and darkness that it entailed so that we can just shine a light on this topic for other people. So I wonder if you could start by remembering uh, maybe the first time you recognized that something was going on, what do you remember what that was that triggered that and um, how you felt at that time? Well, I guess it was when you had uh, taken on the responsibility of something at church, a fundraiser, and you invited us to come over to it. Mom and I came to the house and you said you weren't going to go to it. That uh, you'd had enough and uh, you just couldn't face up to uh, whatever it was that uh, was a problem for you. Now, this is a bit unusual because you usually uh, liked to take on difficulties and we're at your best at that so uh, I kind of forced you to go to the to the opening of it and uh, I thought I was doing the right thing but then uh, shortly thereafter uh, mom and I were out in New Jersey visiting my dad and we got a phone call from him and in this phone call you said that you were in severe trouble, didn't know what was going on, and you kind of wanted us to help, but you know, we, you know, we were a long ways away. And, uh, and so 
we really couldn't help you much. But at that point, you know, you start as a father and mother, you start thinking the worst because you were obviously not well emotionally. Um, so whenever that date is, and you can probably pin it down for me, that's when I knew that, uh, well, that history was was uh, coming back to haunt me because, in, you know, my mother and to a certain extent my father had both had episodes very similar to that. Although I was much younger back then, but it hit me that no matter what we had, your mom and I had tried to do, you were having difficulties and similar difficulties to what uh, had occurred to people that I loved uh, earlier in my life. So it's interesting when you got that call, and I don't remember making that call, but uh, I do remember recognizing at some point that I had to ask for help, that I was going to need, you know, support because Justin was traveling so much. And when you got that phone call and it's, you said that it, you know, kind of, you kind of thought, oh, you know, it's, it's happening again. What, what do you remember about, without going into a whole lot of detail about my grandma and grandpa and some of the issues that, that they experienced, um, as a child, like, what do you remember seeing from them that now you might recognize as some kind of an emotional struggle? Well, to a certain extent, you know, they, um, the beginning of middle age creates stress for just about everybody. Um, and when I, when I was listening to you on the phone and, and by the way, it was a 45 minute to an hour conversation of us trying to kind of put you at ease. And, but it was obvious that it, that that wasn't happening. But um, as I think back with, with my parents, there, there was with my mother, she had had difficulties, pretty severe difficulties, although, you know, as a, as a youngster, I, I was the second oldest in the family, and I had a brother who was five or six years younger than I, and then a, a, another sister who's two years younger than him, so there's a, like a seven-year difference, and then twin sisters, and there's a, a good uh, nine to ten-year difference between me and them. So I don't know that I I realized that my my mother was having difficulties because we had talked about it in regards to uh, giving birth. And I knew that she isolated herself uh, for months prior to giving birth and then afterwards. Now, I didn't know what that meant. I had no understanding of what that meant. In fact, I was angry that uh, that was happening. Uh, whether I thought she was weak or whatever, whatever a kid who's 9, 10, 11 now when the twins were born is thinking, it was not a sympathetic point of view, as, as I recall. 
so that that uh, she she did need then uh, she was sent away for several weeks and indeed her mother my grandmother uh, came out from uh, uh, climbing hill or sioux city iowa several times in a two or three year period to try to stabilize the household and she did did a great job. We really looked forward to that. So the household uh, with a mother who is struggling with what I now know you were struggling with, now six kids, was a very difficult situation. Later on, when uh, your mother and I would visit you for certain lengths of time, your mom stayed with you for a month or two months uh, when you were having these difficulties shortly after the call when you were out in New Jersey. And I stayed with you then. Mom had kind of had enough because it's, it's, <laughs> it's emotionally wrenching because I, there's not too much you can do for the person who is like you, who's having these troubles. You realize you just can't put things into a perspective, words into a perspective that will necessarily be helpful. Mm -hmm. So um, while I was there for about three weeks with you, I saw immediately the same look on your face that I would see on my mother's face. It's a look of depression. It's kind of a hollowed outlook. Your cheeks are almost... Um, hollowed out, darkness underneath your eyes, and kind of a uh, vague look, and a very internal way of looking at the world. You were looking at the world the only way you could through your thought. Well, in thinking back, with my mother, I could see that you were in trouble, but I, <laughs> I didn't necessarily look at my mother in the same sympathetic way that I was looking at you. You see, mm -hmm. I, I I looked at that as a boy, uh, athletically inclined, aggressive, to be uh, a sign of weakness and of just mm -hmm. not. Uh, not being able to live up to responsibility. Now, uh, that, that's silly, yeah, but that, you, you asked me what my perspective was. Now, that's a 10, 11, 12-year-old uh, perspective, realizing yeah. that, that as, as I, the first three or four or five years of, of life, we had a very calm, and uh, family life. But I think with my brother and then my, my, uh, my fourth, the fourth sibling, which was our sister, the difficulties in pregnancy got much worse. I didn't pick up on that. If I did, it, I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I, 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 it was impossible for me to, to look at that in a sympathetic way. To me, it was 
you know, the sibling rivalry was probably also involved, but there was a dramatic change besides just the rivalry. So that I, uh, you know, I, I didn't like that at all. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, it's interesting to point out and important to point out that this kind of breakdown is a hereditary thing or it can be. And, you know, I didn't know that my grandmother had gone through that. Um, so I wasn't necessarily looking for it or, you know, aware of it. Um, and then after it happened to me, then I learned that, you know, my aunt, some of my aunts had struggled with it as well from your side of the family. And I think it's just important for us as we, you know, as we learn things about our, our family to share it and so that we're, we can be on the lookout for these things, because obviously there is, there is a genetic factor that in midlife, I think, you know, most of us females who have experienced it and even some males, um, we're like in our thirties and under a time of intense stress, whether it was like Tutu, you know, the birth of more children, or for me, it was added job responsibility and just in traveling, like the stress can come from any, any direction from any way. Um, But that some families may just have a tendency toward, towards struggles of this kind of anxiety and depression. So I just want to point that out for anyone listening that if you know that something has happened in your family's past, um, just, you know, mention it to others so that they can kind of be, can kind of be on the lookout. I wonder, dad, like if you think about my childhood now, kind of knowing what we know, do you see any you know, characteristics that I had as a child or um, anything else that comes to mind that would like lend itself to experiencing or going through a time of intense anxiety like I did? Well, let me first uh, add to what you just said. Uh, In my family, I didn't talk about my father's episodes, which were more dramatic and more public in nature and more embarrassing. To me as a child. We never, once we got over it or seemingly got over it, we never talked about it. In fact, my younger sisters really didn't know anything about this till they were 16, 17, or 18 years of age. It was just never brought up. Uh, I pushed it out. I just, uh, you know, I put my, I, I kind of shut up and calculate. I just kind of, you know, did what I had to do. So I never even thought about talking about this. Um, and so one of the helpful things, uh, you've been very open with this. And I'm very proud of you, the way you have responded. That we probably responded more selfishly. Uh, you have, and, and others might be the age, too, that we're living in, have been much more honest about these things. But to get to get to your question um, about your childhood, first of all, we have four girls. And in retrospect, I, I saw almost immediately, within several months, 
that each of you have totally separate personalities. You know, that, that's something as a parent you, you begin to hone in on. Your personality was uh, an intense one, relatively intense, uh, not necessarily physically, but academically and accomplishing tasks. In fact, all of your games, most of the games that you played that I was aware of were very task-oriented. You know, you'd set up offices and you'd set up uh, all sorts of things and play games like that. You were usually in charge. And you were usually in charge at all of when, whenever our families got together, I noticed that uh, people just kind of looked up to you. But in addition to that, you had a perfectionism about you. Now, I never caught frustration uh, about yourself uh, being perfect, which obviously is a part of, of what you've talked about now. But I realized that you, you looked out at the world and saw things that weren't perfect, and it frustrated you. I could see that. Um, but again, you were so uh, competent, I guess is the word. I tended to dwell on that rather than maybe looking at things negatively. But I was always very proud of you, and you were always uh, very accomplished in what all, whatever you did. So <laughs> Now, I was always surprised, taken aback, not just by you, but all of my daughters. Now, I'm a male with four daughters. I'm an introvert. I'm an INTP for anybody who is aware of the Jungian uh, psychology uh, or uh, um, personality tests, which puts me in a, a very small percentage of the population, extremely small. So, and I'm re reasonably sharp, but emotionally, when you, when you or the other girls, or even my wife, Mary, would react emotionally. It always caught me by surprise. But when I thought about it, I could then see why it happened. But I could never anticipate these things. That was probably something, you know, I could have done better for parents that are trying to raise children. Um, maybe be, look at things in, in a, a, little, a little more depth. But you see, parents are trying to make a living. They're trying to do the best that they can for their kids. Um, and, uh, you know, I just don't know how capable I was of doing much more than I did. But I would say your perfectionism and your, uh, your take-chargeness and your intelligence were, were things that's, that I didn't see that. I, I looked at, tried to look at those as positive things. Right. And I think that is the, such the interesting thing about people who go through kind of a stress-induced breakdown is that they are often the strong ones. They're often the ones that do get a lot done and people reward, you know, perfectionism and they reward accomplishments and all of that. And so over time, if we don't learn how to balance that pressure that other people put on us and that we put on ourselves, 
you know, eventually it catches up to us because all of us are only human beings. And um, I think that, you know, it's just important to be aware of those kids in your life and the adults too, who do take on a lot, who, you know, have a hard time with mediocrity. Um, Just give an extra bit of attention to them and and go a little bit deeper when you ask them how they're doing, get beyond the task list and the accomplishments to, you know, when's the last time you took some time off? When's the last time you rested and, and had just in, did something that you enjoy? Those types of questions I think can be, can be really helpful. Um, it was interesting to me, you know, when you were talking back about Tutu and when she, I didn't know that she had gone away. Yeah. to get help or to get treatment. I, I, I hadn't known that. Um, but that as a kid, you know, you just saw like this this weakness in her that, you know, why couldn't she just be the mom that she's supposed to be? And it's, I was trying to think of like how to describe that, but you can't. Like it's that your your body and your mind get so overwhelmed with just ordinary life like not even anything, you know, super, super stressful in the moment, but like the idea of having to cook dinner or the idea of having to go to the grocery store suddenly just becomes too much. Um, it's it's the strangest thing, but I think it's our body's way of screaming at us for attention that, hey, you know, you do have to take a look. And so I'm glad that she got help in whatever way she did. I wish that I had a you know, the chance to talk to her about that. Um, it would have been interesting to hear yeah, her perspective. But like you said, she may not have ever wanted to admit that that, no, that happened. No, I'm, I'm sure that she would not have uh, admitted that. Mm-hmm. And that is, a, I think it's a generational thing that hopefully we're trying to get past some of that stigma. But for a lot of people, it's, you know, you do feel like you failed. You do feel like in some way you're you're less than because you couldn't keep up. And so for anybody who's on the brink of that or in the midst of it, I just want to say it's not weakness. It's humanity. And, um, and there is helps, but you have to, you know, you have to admit that something's going on in order to, to get the help. So make the phone call, speak the words, you know, send the email, whatever it takes. Just keep asking for the help until you, until you get it. The few times that I did try to break through with you when you were younger, that was almost an impossible task to do because Mm -hmm. you were, uh, you knew your mind, uh, you know, or at least you felt you did. So that 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 advice is great advice, but I I don't know exactly, you know, being the father, how I could have broke through on that. You, you know that, that. No, you're right because I I would have never admitted that that I was anxious or stressed out. You know, it took. I always say that it took me literally falling to pieces before I would admit that I wasn't perfect <laughs> or that I didn't have it all together. That, that was part of my unlearning that I had to do. Um, 
Yeah. So sometimes we just have to go through our own darkness to to find out who we who we well, truly sound, are. I mentioned young earlier. You're sounding very much like young. This process of what what he called individuation. Uh, he he said there's first half to life, and there's the second half to life, and in between there is this time of crisis for men and women. Men seem to hold it in a little bit more, but when they break, like my father, it was a very public break. Um, so it's a I think it's a process that everybody goes through. But definitely you being, and anybody who is a perfectionist, uh, that is an extra uh, task that you have to work through. Um, mm -hmm. That's a difficult thing. That is a real difficult thing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate, you know, all that you've done for me and your wisdom. And um, I know we've had a lot of, <laughs> a lot of intense talks along the way. Um, I'm going to interview mom next. She'll be on the next episode and we'll get more into, you know, the emotions of things. I think coming from a mother's perspective, she felt the weight emotionally of, of that, that time, maybe more than you did. Um, but you guys were both there for us. And I, I really appreciate that. I want to take just a minute before I ask you one more question and just tell the listeners again about our sponsor for this season, which is um, the sponsor is Cindy Jenks. She's an ambassador with Q Sciences. And I've been telling you guys about the supplements that I've really been enjoying the benefits of through Q Science. And I wanted to mention to you, Dad, because um, I know that you are a big believer in naturopath medicine. Yes. You and mom, you know, got me in touch with a naturopath here in the St. Louis area that I've been working with over the past few years. And Q Sciences partners with a naturopath in developing all of their supplements. And that's one of the things that I really love about the company is that they're always improving the product. So like I take the the core, the Q core for my morning and evening supplements. And they are always looking at the formula of that from the perspective of, um, of, a, of a naturopath doctor who they work with and always making improvements to it. So it's, it's a very natural product and they use, um, you know, the goodness of the earth that God has given us in, in some of these healing, um, healing supplements that we can use to improve our health. And I just want to encourage any of you, especially if you're experiencing brain fog, which was one of my big frustrations um, going through anxiety is that my, my mind didn't respond as quickly as I was used to. And when you're a fast thinker, normally a creative person and used to, you know, just your brain functioning at a high level, that brain fog is super frustrating. And the Q core have all but taken that totally away. So it's really been amazing. And uh, I encourage you guys to look up those products. You can go to myqwellness.com and that is Cindy's webpage, or you can email Cindy at Cindy at myqwellness.com and she will answer all of your questions. I'm a huge believer in those products. So dad, as we wrap things up here, um, what would you say your biggest takeaway has been 
seeing me and my family kind of go through this, go through the breakdown, the diagnosis, and then the healing, which has been, you know, years, five, six years now on the other side of working through some of these issues. What would you say you have learned and, and how have you seen maybe me change as I have kind of learned my way through? Well, first of all, I, I was always positive that you would see your way through it. That's just the way I looked at it. Now, you know, that's neither here nor there, but I, I wanted to, to add that, you know, that I had confidence. I think that we all have a destiny and that for a time uh, we, we find ourselves, get ourselves trapped in, in living our lives. And it's inevitable that people will as the prodigal son eventually come to themselves without living in sin like he did. But there, there, is, there is a kind of a necessity for people to come to their senses. Now, there are people, as you've mentioned, either genetically or family-wise or stresses in family, which we didn't necessarily talk about, but that there's abuse and everything else, which make then, uh, you know, the, the movement from one path to another, much more difficult. But I, I, am, uh, I am of the opinion that uh, our culture is, is really trying to help, has come to kind of, the culture has come to their senses and realized that, uh, that in general, most people are going to need help. And especially uh, those that uh, um, maybe within the family structure points that they're they're going to have uh, even a higher chance of needing uh, some sort of emotional help. But I, you know, I <laughs> um, as I look back and I look at you, it it's a bit of a fog raising for for children. What what could I have done differently? What do I think now? I think of you the same way. I'm proud of you. I think you'll be successful at whatever you do. But it's your it's your uh, destiny that has to be played out. It's not mine. Maybe sometimes I pushed a little too hard. But uh, I don't necessarily feel badly about that either. It's just something that had to happen, Laura. And uh, fortunately, it seems to be working out. Uh, but, uh, you know, you have to live every day as you can. But you have to live out your destiny. And I'm proud that uh, whatever that is, I think you're, you are now finding. You are now coming into touch with it. So that's a positive. Mm -hmm. That's a real positive. Yeah. I, can't, I can't necessarily look at this negatively. Um, it's something that you had to go through and others have to go through. But you've got to have a positive outlook on this, that, that it's something that almost has to happen, not at the depth that you had or others have. I, I understand that. Or that my mother or my father had. But I think it happens to just about everybody. 
and uh, circumstances or fate has a lot to do with, uh, and maybe God's will, depending on how you want to interpret that, as to how then people react to that. But you must stay positive. Uh, you must believe in what's happening and that there is uh, a purpose to life. And this is all working to the greater good as uh, we've been promised. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's my final words on it. Okay. Well, I agree that, you know, it's taken a lot of time, but I, I do look on it now as um, a necessary thing that, that I had to walk through and that I continue to walk through and that God continues to, to teach along the way. So I always leave the episode with a quote, and I know this is one of your favorite songs, Dad, so I'm just going to read the first, um, the first stanza of, of a song that I think fits our conversation. It's The Long and Winding Road by the Beatles, and the first verse says, The long and winding road that leads to your door will never disappear. I've seen that road before. And of course, you can interpret the song in all kinds of ways, but I have come to think of the long winding road as the road from me to God. And, you know, that road was put into place when I was born. And um, the winding road, even though it winds, it always is going to lead me back to his door, no matter what happens, no matter what situation. So we will leave the listeners with that. The long and winding road that leads to your door will never disappear. I've seen that road before. Be still. <laughs>